Hey there, uh, John Kenobi here to tell you about audible.com. Audible.com is a great way to experience books if you don't have uh, the time to read them. Uh, what do they are? Are audiobooks, and we've got a special offer for you at Cinema 7. If you go to www.audibletrial.com backslash c7pod, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial today and get a free audiobook. Now, this can be anything they offer. It gives you one credit. It can be anything. That's yours. You will keep it after you lose the trial. Uh, you can use this to uh, read a book you, you know you might not have time to read or catch up with all the different Hollywood movies that are being made from books, uh, Annihilation, Ready Player One, etc., etc. Uh, our friend Mario uses it for various random audio dramas. If that's what you're into, give it a shot. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash C7pod. Discover what Audible has over 1 million audiobooks and dramas and all types of things. Just give them a shot. Uh, thanks. This is Pitch It or Fix It. Hello, welcome to Cinema 7. I'm your host today, Chris Hawk. On the left is John Canope. I felt like you came in really fast there. You were like, hello, welcome to Cinema 7. But hello, I'm here. To the right, Arya Bakari. Uh, hey, I'm here. What's up? What's going on? How is everybody? We're going to start off with some super, super easy news today, because we're easy, like Sunday mornings. Today, today we're doing a pitch it or fix it. That's what we're here for. Chris Hawk didn't say that. He welcomed you here. He's not the real host. I was the shadow host the whole time. It was me, John. Are you pitching a uh, Vince McMahon biopic? Ha <laughs> ha ha. But today we're pitching a biopic to you. Uh, we've all chosen, um, hopefully, one serious one and maybe, you know, one side one for some people that like to go above and beyond. They won't be named. We call it a side pick. <laughs> but uh, let's let's get right into it. Let's let's discuss first who we've chosen and why. Let's not get into the details of the movie. Mm-hmm. Let's just do a few highlights of their life and uh, who you chose. Mario, go. Who'd you pick? Rick Flair. Mm-hmm. I chose the Rick nature Fla- boy. The nature Woo! boy. I chose Ric Flair because Woo! I'm a big I'm a big wrestling fan. Um, you guys know about how passionate I am about wrestling. Uh, they just did that Ric Flair documentary, so I think it'd be perfect timing to do a biopic uh, in the next couple of years for Ric Flair. And just just run us through some of his accomplishments in uh, the squared circle, as it is. Sixteen time world heavyweight champion. Okay. <laughs> 14 times with WCW, two times with WWE. He is the oldest Intercontinental Champion in WWE history. He is the oldest Tag Team Champion in history by winning the World Tag Team titles with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, he, let's see, let's see. He left WCW in 91 to go to WWE. Uh, no, 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 no. There's too much details, too much okay, details. Okay, okay, okay. We'll, we'll come to that, all yeah, right, because... Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. That's, you're right. Let's get into your movie territory. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'm going to go next. Uh, Chris Rock, you can go last because I think you got two. I have uh, one real one, and then I just have a bunch of other ones that I think would be cool, but I didn't actually prepare anything for. And I know I, cho- I told you guys I was going to do Christopher Lee because I, you know, I thought that's what I wanted to do. But, man, that guy's life is like it's like an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So I chose to do somebody different, a more different tone, uh, and do H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, that's a shame. Uh, he is the guy responsible for the Cthulhu mythos, uh, along with uh, all the other old gods and a lot of crazy dark fantasy slash sci-fi slash horror um, books that he was never really recognized for until he was already long gone, which is uh, kind of tragic when you think about it. But we'll delve more into that when we get to my pitch. Chris Hawk, who did you choose? So I got two people, because, you know, it's Chris Hawk. And my first one would be Sally Ride, who is the first woman in space and the youngest person to ever have traveled to space. Um, I think she's a really good female role model and just role model in general for kids. Uh, she champa- campaigned strongly for girls to get into the STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, math. She she was one of the forefront of uh, investigating the Challenger and uh, Columbia disasters. So she she was in she dealt with space NASA most of her life, and I think she's a great like nothing really bad happened like polarized. She did nothing bad polarizing, and I think she's a good role model. And of course, the main event is uh, the Beastie Boys. I feel like. Um, one of the most famous rap groups from the 80s. You know, they started off as hardcore punk. We can, uh, you can talk a little bit about, uh, a little bit about that, but really their, uh, their main stages are going to be like the, their release of their albums. That's how I was going to do the biopic. You know, how the, they did their first one, their second one, third one, fourth one, and all that jazz. Yeah, almost like a traditional musician biopic where it's yeah. like through the, the career and, of the, the ups band and downs itself. type of thing. Yeah, then to the eventual breakup. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're still. They're cool now, right? Like, well, they're one's dead. That's why they stopped. Yeah, I, I know, but I mean, like, otherwise they're cool. Well, yeah, they just they don't go under the Beastie Boys name anymore. For yeah, they've they've never respect. had any problems. Right, right, that's, right. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So we got Ric Flair, we got Sally Ride and the Beastie Boys and H.P. Lovecraft. That's uh. Three different mediums there, kind of, kind of really different. And Chris Hawk brings a fourth, like almost realistic, into the picture because we all picked, uh, like, uh, I don't know what the word, entertainment people almost. Mm-hmm. And then Sally Ride is, you know, someone who did something historically great. So I, I think we should start, and because you know we're still working out this format, you know, just doing whatever, who cares? Uh, I think we should start by talking about who we chose to to play those. At. People, I'm I'm really curious who who Mario's is because it's <laughs> Ric Flair. But uh, I think we should start with one of Chris Hawk since he has two, and then we'll circle back around. So uh, Chris Hawk, you pick, and who'd you cast? Why and uh, how well do you think they can do it? So I had to choose. I wanted to choose um, a point in the life of Sally Ride where she went to space, and that was when she was about 35, being the youngest person in space. So I picked 
the actress Allie Larder. She's from Heroes. She played the mom with the bipolarness power. I think that's what the power was called. But uh, Sally Ride had this magnificent 80s hairdo. And I'm talking about the, the super poof. You know, the, like, the, like Katie Siegel had in Married with Children. The per- is, that, is, that what, is that what that hairstyle? The 80s hair. It's, it's very generically 80s, like mom hair. I yeah, know what you're talking it's, about. It's huge. And I think, like, originally I was going to pick Katie Siegel, but I think she would have been a little bit too seasoned. So I had to go with someone a little bit younger because I want this to be during when she goes to space, a little bit before when she goes to space, and a little bit after. Um, and you can really, you can just add make uh, makeup and techniques to make her look a little bit older. But Allie Lauder, I love the way she acted in uh, Heroes, and I loved. Uh, there's another movie that she in, but I can't can't remember right now. But I think she can bring it. She's got the same smile as Sally Ride, and that's why I picked her. Wait, is this? I'm I I've just pulled her up. Is this Claire Redfield in Resident Evil? Allie Lauder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I know who you're talking about now. Okay, yeah. That, now we're on a level that Mario and I understand since we didn't watch Heroes. Mario, what do you what do you think of that casting? Uh, you know, just based on the actress alone. I actually liked her in the one the uh, what's the Resident Evil one? Uh, after four, yeah, after. No, yeah, is that the one where they're in the prison? Mm-hmm. She was really good in that in that one, and and uh, I remember her from a couple other things, and I think she's all right. I think she's pretty good, so I think she could do it. I, I agree. I think it's possible. I don't think there's a persona behind Sally Ride that she you know, has very, to very encapsulate. Private. That's really like, like we didn't know that she. Okay, so this is like a thing that not a lot of people know, but she's also the first uh, gay person in space. Also, she was she uh, she divorced her husband and then she was with a partner for the last 20 years of her life. So and like no one knew because that's how private she was. So that's like another aspect of her character that Allie Larder could somehow do something with. Yeah, and I, like I was saying, I don't think there's, it's not like a Ric Flair character, you know, there's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. charisma to bring to the character. So yeah, I, I think it could easily be done. Uh, Mario, who'd you, who'd you cast for Ric Flair? Don't keep <laughs> us in the dark. Let's, let's hear it. It's gotta, I hope it's Ric Flair. I have a bunch of Charlie castings. Hudson. I have a bunch of casts. Okay, go ahead. Let's go through it. Let's talk it out. <laughs> so I've, I, I came up with two people who could probably play Ric Flair. And now, uh, is it young Ric Flair or old Ric Flair or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Okay. It's, we won't go into old Ric Well, maybe we will. They're makeup and stuff, you know. Uh, yeah, a, yeah. I was thinking Christian Bale or B, okay. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Oh my god! What I'm think I'm gonna go with Bradley Cooper. I feel like he has more charisma to do it, more of the chops, you know, to to do the woo and the and the uh, the promos. I'm uh, gonna be honest, Mario. This yeah. is this is not the cat. I thought you were gonna come out of here with like a casting I've never heard of. You were throwing out some big names, my friend. Michael Rooker as Harley Race. <laughs> Mario, take a look that. at Charlie Hunman. That. Charlie Hunman could do the hair of Ric or, Flair. Or Michael Rooker as Terry Funk. Probably more Terry Funk. I'm okay with either of those. Uh, Danny McBride as an old wrestler. <laughs> Just a casting? Yes. <laughs> Batista as Ken Patera. Remember Trevor Murdoch? Yeah, I do. He's going to play Big Dick Murdoch. Oh, my God. Sean, Sean Bean. Or Sean, is it, yeah, Sean Bean. 
as uh, Triple H for those Triple H days. I love that. I don't, I don't think you understand how much I enjoy that casting. <laughs> Bray Wyatt and or Dustin Rhodes to play Dusty Rhodes. Okay, that's pretty great. Uh, and Justin Scott Lee or Daniel Wu from Into the Bat Into the Badlands, I think it is, uh, as Ricky Steamboat. Okay, I can and, see that. And I'm I know thinking, talk about. I'm thinking of a Sting. Sting needs to be in this movie, but I don't know who would play Sting. I just have to say that I, uh, I didn't think this casting. Like I didn't think I'd know who half these people are. But if this movie was ever made, I don't know how it couldn't win an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about those? I <laughs> the only person I don't think uh, Bradley Cooper though for Ric Flair, he's the closest actor I could find that looked like him with a name. And you know I didn't. I had, when you look up Ric Flair lookalikes, it doesn't. It gives you like old people like uh, who was it? it? Was Gary Busey as one? <laughs> there oh my was, God! <laughs> if Gary Busey lost some weight, maybe Gary Busey has lost weight. If you have seen Gary Busey. Uh, in the picture that they showed, uh, <laughs> he also looks like he's the Joker if the Joker's jaw got broke. You know, you know what? I can see, I can see Bradley Cooper. I'm looking at old pictures of Ric Flair right now. Yeah, and and uh, that's the only person. I, I, that's the only one. Like Christian Bale, maybe because of like his Bruce Wayne, maybe. But I, I think that you're looking. For, what? Are we, how tall is Ric Flair? Six, six foot. Uh. I think he's a little bit. He was a little bit taller than you know. When you get older, you kind of shrink. He's a pretty. He's a pretty wide guy. Like he's pretty broad. Um, who's a broad? He was, he was built at six foot one, so six probably one. slightly shorter. So like five nine, five ten, maybe. All right. Well, who played uh, Night Owl? Maybe him. Patrick uh, Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> Patrick Wilson. <laughs> How tall is Bradley Cooper? I think Bradley Cooper is. I, th- I think it could work. Bradley Cooper could work. How, wait, wh- how tall is Bradley Cooper? Where's his height? Uh, he is he is six one, so he could do it. That's that's Ric Flair's build height. <laughs> there you go. Are you telling me he was destined to play Ric Flair in a biopic? <laughs> oh, and Aaron Rodgers as Hulk Hogan because <laughs> they have the same eyes and the uh, same mustache. Same mustache, yes. That's all you need to be Hulk Hogan. <laughs> All right. Well, I I, I don't even know. I, I don't even want to do mine. I just want to skip it and go to your plot <laughs> with all those big names. But Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers got buff up. Oh, he will. <laughs> he will. <laughs> so for my casting, I only cast Lovecraft, and it's it's unfortunate that I have to do this. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what he looked like, but uh. It's a pretty easy casting if we want to throw a big name Hold on. cast as him. Hold on, John. Hold on. All right, Chris, Hawk, you, I, I want you to, who does that want look you like? give me your best guess. Who does that look like? Oh, my goodness. Leo DiCaprio. Mm, no. No, he's got a skinny oval face. Have you seen J. Heg- J. Edgar? J. Edgar? What was that movie? Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover. Edgar Leo DiCaprio. It's not coming I, to me. Who, who, who do you got, John? I cast Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh as my! God. <laughs> I can see that. I can... Oh man, so he's perfect. The biggest name, and he's already he's already done. You know, uh, touring, which was really well. That's a, I mean, that movie is fantastic. And you need 
to showcase a darker side of Lovecraft that I feel you can get with Benedict Cumberbatch emotion. I don't know how he's going to do, like, I, I mean, his American's okay. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. And it's not like um It's like Lovecraft the most is, generic American voice. Yeah, and Lovecraft, he's from, like, Rhode Island, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's not a huge deal. It's not like we're asking him to do some Boston accent or something. <laughs> Which I don't know if I'll ever want to hear that, but I think it could really, I think it really pull it off. John, you said motion. So is Benedict Cumberbatch going to mocap? <laughs> yeah, the whole movie is going to be uh, stop motion. So it's going to be filmed in uh, a stop motion uh, fever dream of Lovecraft. How? I, I mean, you're already throwing away my plot. What am I supposed to do now? But I, I really don't know who else could have done it. Uh, I was just looking online because there's not a lot of like about it. Which is surprising to me that, you know, there's not a lot of, like, people trying to make a big-budget Cthulhu movie or something. Or at least about Lovecraft himself. There's been, like, one or two documentaries. Uh, But somebody else said uh, a guy from Hell on Wheels. But I've never seen that show, so I have no idea who the character is. His name is, uh, the actor's name is Christopher Heyerdahl. But I don't know who that is, so... I didn't even I didn't even give him the time of day. I went with uh, <laughs> my boy, the Batch. And uh, Chris Hawk, you have one more. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who is who? So, who are the Beastie Boys? So this is a pretty easy choice. I have already picked three people that could rap, and they're kind of from New York. So I got Akiva Schaefer, Jormer Tacone, and Andy Samberg of Lonely Island to play the Beastie Boys. Okay, I could see that. Because the Beastie Boys are already kind of goofy in general. They did, like, whenever they toured with, you know, they toured with Nas, Madonna. Uh, they were going to tour with Rage Against the Machine. They were known for being pranksters and practical jokers. And I can just see... Are you casting Island. them in this movie? Am I casting Rage, Madonna and Rage Against the Machine? Uh, yeah. Margaret Robbie is going to be Madonna. Um, Nas. I don't even know what Nas looks like. That was irrelevant. Continue your thought. I'm sorry. But I think they could they can easily rap so they could actually play some of the songs that the BC Boys do. I mean, they they do they could look like the Beastie Boys. They're pretty generic look for the Beastie Boys. There's not a really distinct look except, for, you know, the, the clothes they wear. So I think it could really work. Mario, how do you feel about that as the uh, Beastie Boys aficionado? Uh, I'm fine with that. I think Andy Serberg would be Ad Rock. I think, uh, who's the taller dude with the glasses? He'd be Mike D. And, uh, the one that Akiva. Had... Yeah. And who, and, uh, who's the one that was, he played the monkey in, uh, Land of the Lost? <laughs> Jorma. <laughs> yeah. He could play the guy who passed away. I could see that. He cut MCA. Yeah. Shape buzzes his head. Mm-hmm. Gets a little, eats a little more. I feel like that's like the easiest casting that I've never thought about because I actually saw the Beastie Boys on like a list of people that should have biopics made. And uh, I I would have never thought about that, even though it makes perfect sense. I just think they're it's like almost a perfect fit because they've done like a parody biopic. And this would just be the next thing for them to do would just to honor the Beastie Boys. Yeah. And I mean, but they would be totally serious doing it. Yeah, and I mean, they're almost, you know, like the parody version of the Beastie Boys <laughs> when it comes down to it. I, uh, you know, I, they're not a casting that makes me shake my head like last time with the 
Chris Hawk and uh, his need to have Tessa Thompson and everything. Oh yeah, she's uh, who? Uh, she's Beyonce. She's Mike D's girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. Oscar Isaac is uh, in mine. He's a random guy on the street. Number one, he gets ten minutes of screen time for no reason. Oscar Isaac best, is in mine best too. Ten minutes. Best ten minutes of that. What is he? Razor Ramon. That- <laughs> What? I don't think he's tall enough for Razor Ramon, so he's Pedro Morales. Okay. <laughs> let's let's dive into some plots here. Let's talk about what the movies are about. Um, what you want to portray with your biopic? You know, biopics always they always tell a story, but at the same time, they almost have a, a hidden meaning. You know, it's like uh, there's always a always something behind it. You know, like a message of hope or despair or life sucks. You know, whatever whatever you want it to be. Uh, Chris Hawk has two, though, so he has to go first. I'll let him pick whichever one he wants to. But let's let's keep it brief, Chris Hawk, since this is your, your side pitch. So Sally Ride, it's quick and simple. Uh, you know, push the sciences for everyone. You know, it's, nothing's too un, unattainable. unattainable. Um, like, sexism shouldn't even... Should, sexism should be a thing of the past. Be also a message, because she received a lot of clapback. For wanting to go for being the first woman in space, like they asked really asinine questions to her about what would happen if she went into space, and it was, it's pretty funny how she uh responded. But I think the overall it should be about you know pushing STEM, pushing uh you know having girls have a role model to look up through that not that is not just a pretty you know someone to do in fashion, something to do in makeup. It's you know this is a person that is accomplished through, you know, studying, hard work, practice, like an almost like an athlete, but you know, studious, mental. Does does Sally Ride have like an iconic moment that like people when I cuz I mean obviously things have been done about her, is there like an like, iconic thing for her? You know how like a lot of speakers have like that one speech that elevated them above everyone else. I don't know if were- it was I don't know if it was a speech, but uh, she was like she um, the engineer that found the problems with the O-rings on the Challenger and, and the, I think it was the Challenger about how during cold weather they would be brittle. Well, he got a lot of um, like he was panned by the NASA community like they didn't want to hear it. And so they they pushed. I mean, that's the reason why the Challenger blew up because they pushed for launch. And he told them it was like, you do this. You know, some things, some bad things could happen. They didn't listen and they didn't, they didn't like that. So they, like he, he got in trouble and Sally Ride was one of the first people to like stand up for him during this time. And she like, she liked hugged him. He was considered like a, like a person with leprosy. It's, it's a really weird time when uh, safety, it was effort over safety, like uh, progress over safety. That's what their NASA's goal was type of thing before all the, you know, all the regulations and all that. Uh, she did have like a like a small speech in space, but it, it wasn't anything revolutionary like Neil Armstrong gotcha. or but I think her I standing. Just, I was just curious. Yeah, there's she like one of the questions I think would have to be in the movie would be like, uh, will the flight affect your reproductive organs, which they was asked during the uh, press conference before she went into space. And then she she just had like really good 
answers for those. I, I don't they don't have those answers, but I'm I'm sure you could portray it in a way that makes it appropriate if they were to include that. Mm-hmm. So Mario, I don't want you to go next because I'm so excited for yours. So <laughs> okay. I'm going next because mine's I don't I don't think mine's gonna be as elaborate or thought out as yours because you are the uh the the man and to be the man you gotta beat the man so uh with wrestling. So my my Lovecraft story focuses on three things. The first being that HP Lovecraft came from a family where his dad was sick and passed away. Uh, his mom never really had a good job. He always lived with aunts and uncles. He came from poverty. And at one point in his, his life and his, his youth, uh, and this would just be a brief part of the movie, uh, he was living in like a one-room uh, apartment with his mom. And uh, there, the description he had of that time, uh, based on you know his accounts, was like nothing meaned anything. And that's really where... You know, it was like he, he was at his darkest time. And I think you should illustrate that, but not focus on that. I think what the movie really should be about is how from an early age, you know, seven, he was interested in uh, science and uh, the study of the human body and anatomy and just uh, writing and how he wrote. It, it should really just paint a picture of a man who was never really appreciated, uh, almost almost Bill Finger-esque. You know, he was never recognized for his work until he was already gone. Um, And just I I think it should delve into the imagination of somebody who could come up with something like Cthulhu, because I don't know if you guys have ever read any of that, but that stuff is is crazy. Like, I don't know how one person could come up with all that, but he did. I don't know if you've ever read any of that, Chris Hawk. What? He's he gets confused with um, H.G. Wells, right? A lot. Is that is that the other is that the guy who did who did the time machine and War of the Worlds? H.G. Wells. Yeah. Do, do they get confused at all? Does what get confused? H.G. Uh, Wells and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Do they get confused? Do you think? I don't they're, think so. They're dead, Mario. How how can they get confused? Just because of their names, and uh, they both came up with a lot of science fictiony things. <laughs> I don't think so, because I mean, Lovecraft is like Lovecraft Cthulhu, like they're hand in hand, and. H.D. Wells is more what robots and AI, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, is, uh, kind of kind of like a higher thinking intelligence, not really robots, but. Well, um, the guy who did iRobot is uh, different. I think it, he uh, H.G. Wells did like uh, War of the Worlds, and uh, I think he did t- the Time Machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like a higher intellect thing. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of. Uh, Electric sheep, not that guy. Asmahov. Uh, wh- what about the occult? Does it del- does he like delve into that at all, or is that just all from his own mind? Are you talking about like H.P. Lovecraft? Are you talking about like where it comes from? Yeah. Like, did, he, he, did, did he bring it up, or does he actually have firsthand firsthand experience of you know the occult, the supernatural type of things? Is that why he brought these stories to life? Like no firsthand from experience. I- from what I read and what um, you know, just what I know about it, it was more from his own mind, in terms of where these things came from, and it it's because he did a lot of reading uh, into into the like sciences and different things, and you know he was in a time where those sciences might have been almost occultish, uh, and compared to today's standards, you know. So I mean, 
if you grow up in that timeline, it's not unbelievable that you could come up with some of the crazy nonsense that some of the uh, the old gods have going on mm-hmm. with their followings and stuff. Digging it. But yeah, I just, I, I think, I, I mean, the guy in his later life, he lived uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, I believe. And he would literally live off of what he could sell as like a journalist. And these stories and everything did not, like they, they didn't have enough, they didn't generate enough money for him to live at all. And it's just crazy when you compare somebody who did that throughout their lifetime to where that mythology is now. It's just insane to, to think that, you know, a guy lived in poverty, basically never got to enjoy life because of where he came from and created something that so many people love and still love today. I, I just think it'd be a good story, but nowhere near as good as a Ric Flair biopic. <laughs> Let's hear it tomorrow. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm thinking you definitely. Well, the movie's got to be about not only de- defying the odds because it, the movie's going to start off. I think when Ric Flair was in his plane crash because he survived a plane crash. He broke his back, I believe, in three of the four places, and they they said he could never like wrestle. And you know, wrestling you got to fall on your back. That's one of the things you do. Unless you're John Cena, unless <laughs> you land on your elbows, but yeah, if but Ric Flair, like they told him, he could never do it, and he, the way he describes it is, he was uh, bumping, which is how you uh, learn to fall and protect yourself. He was doing, he was falling on his back a couple months, maybe or weeks after he was in a back brace or something weird like that. Like he just, you'd have to start the movie somewhere around then because that, that's like. That's not listening, and that's defying the odds. Then it's uh, it's also got to be about how, because he he was like heavy alcohol and partying like all the time. So you'd have to talk about that, and you know, definitely later in his life, if we if you get there in the in the movie, you got to talk about uh be- overcoming that and and being more about family and stuff, because that's what he kind of turned to. You know, is is now it's about his family over over the drinking and the partying. I mean, I think right up until his uh, recent surgery, he was still kind of doing the drinking and stuff here. You know, but it would just have to be more about um, family because he was away from his kids like all the time, and he's had like four wives and stuff. So it just it just have to be. It just it's weird. It's like a weird, fascinating story. So I think you definitely have to start the movie uh, with that plane crash, and then you work your way up to when he wins the title from Harley Race, aka Michael Rooker. <laughs> and um, <laughs> this, you'd have to go through like his battles with Ricky Steamboat, and how th- you would show the dynamic of each character and, and their friendship backstage, and how that kind of led up into uh, his thing with Sting. And then you would, I think, you would go from from that to the Hulk Hogan dynamic because it, it was always, like everywhere. It was like Ric Flair's the guy from NWA Hulk Hogan's the WWF guy. So it was always them two together. And you know, when Ric Flair came over to WWF in 91, I believe he, he would call himself the real world's champion because the NWA, which was like made up in the thirties or twenties or whatever. Um, it was all these wrestling companies that became one. It might be the forties, but 
you get the idea. It's like all these re- in, individual wrestling companies into one because each wrestling company had a territory of which they not owned, but you know they they would uh, wrestle in, and that was kind of like you knew would not go into that territory. It's like an agreement. So like Minnesota area would be like uh, Vern Gagne, and then you know the New York uh, Northeast region would kind of be the WWF. And then you have the NWA, like the Mid-Atlantic area, which is like probably here, North Carolina, um, around that type of area. And then like Georgia, Tennessee and all that was their own separate uh, thing. So they all came together and they were like, we're going to have one champion who's going to go to each territory and build each territory as a thing. And then you you could talk about that a little bit in the movie because – like I said, in 91, when he went over there, he, he was the WCW champion, which, you know, came from NWA because, because the end a lot of the territories were collapsing through financial regions. And you can even make like a TV show out of that. I think that'd be kind of neat. Like a, like a TV show based on, uh, the, the wrestling territory areas, areas and era and how almost like a glow thing, but yeah, focusing but, on the behind the scenes. Yeah. More political and all that stuff. And business-like, I think that'd be very interesting. Uh, but you know, then you can get into when he was, uh, depressed, like when it, later, his later life in WCW, like before WCW closed down, he was really depressed. He hated WCW. He hated being there. So you could show that and you can lead into the revival of which when he went to back to WWE, E at the time and you know like guys like triple h and Shawn michaels were just they you know they grew up being rick flair fans so everyone in the locker room kind of made him feel more special you know but i think i think his peers always respected him i think it was more like a self-esteem thing but you know later on you know he definitely got his his self-esteem back i believe but it's he's a very passionate person so like you can see during his retirement when his daughter's wrestling out there now you know, he's a very passionate person and no matter what he does and, and he, I think he lo- honestly loves wrestling and he, he just like, if you tell him he's the best, I feel like he wouldn't believe, like he doesn't believe you because he's so like, you know what I mean? He's so hardworking and so like still wanting to do it and, and be the best, if that makes sense. So I, I think you just have to uh, go through like his, his opponents because Dusty Rhodes was like the good guy, you know, uh, Ricky Steamboat was the next Kind of right before Dusty Rhodes, a little bit after Dusty Rhodes as well. Um, and then, you know, Sting. And th- those three are kind of like his big rivals. And I think you'd have to showcase not only the characters out there, but you'd have to showcase their friendships as well in the behind the scenes. I think that'd be very interesting. But it'd definitely have to start from the helicopter crash because I feel like that's when his whole career changed. And, and then, you know, you build up from there. I could be on board with this almost like a, a showcase of someone's life focusing on the big moments, even though there's tons of documentaries on it, you know, it'd be cool to see it uh, almost from his perspective uh, played out on screen with all these uh, different wrestlers just making appearances and everything. Mm-hmm. Definitely behind the scenes stuff too would be pretty neat to see how the, all the different logo or uh, lingo rather. I mean, I, I would watch that. Repeatedly, I would not. I would nominate that for an Oscar. <laughs> the wrestler with Mickey Rourke kind of shows it, but it's more. It's more like, it's more. It feels more like exposing it. I feel like this movie would have to protect it in a sense, like if that makes it. 
if you understand where I'm coming from. Right? I, I agree with what you're saying. Because those old-timer guys, they, you know, everything was very protected for them. And and the way the, the entertainment side of, of pro wrestling worked, they they protected it to its core. You know, they, they, they were all about kayfabe and keeping it secret and stuff. So you'd have to show the behind the scenes as them interacting, but you'd also have to show how they how they kept it a secret too as well. You know, how if they were caught at a gas station in the in stuff, like Ricky Steamboat said, he he turned he he went to a gas station or a corner liquor store or something, saw Ric Flair there, and he like pulled him by the shoulder, turned around and, and got in his face and was like, if I ever see you in public again, I'm gonna kick your ass or something like you know, like with other people around. So they they kept they made it seem like the storyline was was real, you know, that you'd have to showcase some of that too. The wrestler is kind of just like it's more it's more a darker story. It focuses on like the problems that are associated with it, not really it doesn't really glorify wrestling the way it should be, to be honest. But we we have one more. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris Hawk. I don't know if I want to follow that. No, go ahead. Let's. let's right. I mean, you already gave us, you know, a brief rundown. You want it by albums? Yeah. But, but Did I talk too got? long? No, you're fine. No, you, you didn't pull a Chris Hawk yet. So, it, they obviously it's got to start with them as being the four the four member punk band, and they got to release a couple albums, and then eventually, you know, they they bring on Mike D, or it's uh, it's MCA. They bring on MCA. They lose a member. And so they have the Beastie Boys. And then they meet producer Rick Rubin. And Rick Rubin is kind of what starts this, this, um, the first, you know, their first album. Uh, he produces it, Licensed to Ill. And Rick Rubin would probably be played by Nick Offerman. If you guys have seen Rick Rubin, the dude, uh, got a pretty legendary beard. License to Ill was the best-selling rap album of the 80s. It can show how the message could be like the, me- the meteoric rise of the BC Boys. Because, I mean, re- realistically, uh, they didn't have a single failed CD except for maybe Paul's Boutique. And until like 10, 15 years later, it's now praised as like their best CD. So like License to Ill, Paul's Boutique, Check Your Head, Ill Communication. And then you have... Hello Nasty, which got uh, Academy, uh, got uh, Grammy Awards for Best Alternative Music Album and Best Rap Performance. You know, all these CDs did wonderful. So you'd have to do like the the stuff they did in between, like the politics that they they campaigned for, or the the trouble they got into with their riots at their mo- at their uh, at their shows, like the. Uh, like when uh, MCA was charged for grievous assault against someone or how people were getting raped and sexually assaulted at their shows. And it wasn't, wasn't just their shows, it was other shows. So they campaigned for safer, uh, like Coachella and all those types of shows. Uh, Lollapalooza, they, they campaigned for safer shows. They campaigned for like, you know, how Muslims aren't all just stereotypical terrorists. They politically the Beastie Boys stood out and campaigned for a lot of these things. And I think that's a side you I think in the nineties, MCA was, uh, uh, was like a Buddhist or something. Resony. He, 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 rec- he recognized himself as a Buddhist or he was really, he was very against a lot of things, very political or anti-political guy in the nineties, I believe. 
Yeah, you're you're right because um, they even have a song. Uh, I always don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like Bahigata Vita or something like that, and it's got to show their their playful side. I mean, they all their songs are fun. Like they're not too serious. They're bunches of fun. It's this movie has got to be like a love letter to New York and the five boroughs. It's got to be you know the great things about living in New York, the how how it's a character of itself, you know, how they rap to New York, about New York, in New York, for New York. It's it's like a hometown heroes type of thing movie that I'm I think I'm going for. It could also be just about like kicking it with your friends and that's, you know, or it could just be one just about how, you know, this they never you know, there's a start and an end to the Beastie Boys. And that's, you know, there's not a lot of, I mean, uh, what am I thinking of? There's a distinct start and end to the Beastie Boys. And uh, you could actually do that. Unlike how there's still bands going on today, and if they did a biopic, they could still perform. The Beastie Boys are done. So the ending is going to be bittersweet because the Beastie Boys are finished. They're not making any more music. They won't use the name anymore out of respect for MCA. So it's it could it's gonna probably end kind of sad, but it's gonna be a fun movie regardless. I think yeah too. I, I mean, no one no one argues the influence they've had uh, over the years too. And I think you know if you you make that you know the hidden message, especially you know bringing people together and you know what mm-hmm. they've always believed in. Yeah, it could be a, a phenomenal movie. Mario knows the Beastie Boys better than I do, though. Well, because New York is like everybody. Like, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of different uh, types of people in New York. So, I think at one point you can even show like how their mu- how they want their music to be for everybody. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's no copyright, right? Their music, mm-hmm. they don't care. Like, if you use their music to sell something, they really mm-hmm. don't like that. But if you're there's... if you're just using their music, like, uh. For something, how well, how would I describe it? Like, if you're just going to play it or whatever, you know, over something or in a movie or whatever, that's fine, you know. But if 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 you're using it to sell a product or sell something, I think they're really or that is when they kind of call the draw the line. I feel I think th- I think that's what I read. So they are. The, yeah, they're all about their fans. Like in uh, the I think it's the early 2000s. When MP3 started coming out, they were one of the like they were pretty one of the first bands to push that as a new format for uh, audio. And they also, when they did live shows, they would record it and put it on the Capitol website. That's their uh, their album label at the time. And so Capitol was like, "Nah, we we're not going to do that." So they did it on their own website. And the Beasties were like, "Here, we want you guys to listen to this because you're our fans and we love you guys. You guys can hear it. Screw our label." And then they ended up making their own label because that's what, you know, that's what, that's what you end up doing when uh, you don't get your way. You, you do it yourself. Yeah. I love their, uh, their, their labels thing. Cause it almost, it looks like the Toho, uh, the people make Godzilla. It almost looks like their thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like these pitches that we, uh, we just had here today were way better than our Indiana Jones pitches. Uh. I, I feel <laughs> I feel like we we had a lot more invested in these. I don't, I don't know, know what you you're guys, talking. You guys about. agree? 
Look, I hate Indiana Jones. I, I started it off. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, we came to play. Real fast, though, what's your guys' titles? Oh, uh, mine's called Lovecraft. Uh, oh, man. I don't know. Uh, do it with flair. I don't know. Uh, flair for the, <laughs> flair for a gold, flair for the gold or, or uh, the man, the man. Yeah, there you go. I got five and I need your guys' help. Jesus. Oh my okay. God. <laughs> Sounds of science. Three bad brothers. Too many rappers. Pass the mic or intergalactic. I, it had to be a toss up between pass the mic and sound to science. Yeah, I was thinking pass the mic. I think pass the mic would be. I think that would it would either have to be sounds of science or pass the mic. It's a hard. I had I had a quick mystery pitch. We can we, if we can knock it out super quick. I've actually got somewhere to be, so I apologize. Do that quick yeah, pitch. Let's I, do it. All right. So quick pitch. All I need you to tell me is how would you pitch? The George Lucas movie, Go Mario. <laughs> uh, okay, this is what would happen. You'd have to start out where he meets, when he first meets uh, the guy who made uh, Scarface. Cap, Cap, Capa? Capola? Capra? Yeah. Fra- uh, Francis Capra. When he, ma- when he meets him for the first time, he realizes that he's inspired by him because they both have beards. So you'd have to do something like that. And then it'd have to be him in his journey to write Star Wars. So you'd have to start with THX into, um, or was it, uh, what was first? THX or uh, the, 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 um, the car one. What was the car one? American Graffiti. I don't know. We'll find out in the movie. Uh, after that, go. Okay, so it's got to be, you got to start it somewhere early with Star Wars because, you know, there's so much more story left. But you got to talk about the cultural impact that it has on George Lucas and how he becomes a asshole. Like, even though American Graffiti was a success, Star Wars was a revolution. It's a cultural landmark in American society. So you got to you got to enforce that and how important Star Wars is and made being a nerd good and made being a nerd important. You know, it's the word nerd, I think, comes from I think if it's it's important. Yeah, I know Star Trek, Star Wars, when you think of nerd, it's during those times where, you know, it's good to be a nerd. It's okay to be a nerd. It's cool to be a nerd. And then you got it and then it's got to go through all the other Star Wars movies. I think and, you'd have to express his his like his his train of thought in his mind and how he he came up with Star Wars in the writing process because there's there is a lot going on in his head for that. It's got to have his wife, too, because she's the editor of Star Wars. You know how took some scenes out, took some scenes in, added some stuff. So she's an equally part, important part to George Lucas's journey through Star Wars. The one thing that I would add that you guys didn't mention is it needs to showcase Howard the Duck in some way, shape or form. Uh, just briefly. And it needs to be a deleted <laughs> scene or a hidden director's commentary. I want it on there. Um but I, I think that, yeah, I mean, ultra impact has to be the theme here. But just getting behind the mind of the man that came up with this fantastic soap opera. And um, just I think if you could portray the, the prequels in a, uh, you know, in a different light from his eyes, people might understand what he's trying to do instead of just hating on them blindly. Who plays George Lucas? I didn't have a casting. Uh, I'm going to leave that to you guys. Oscar Isaac. <laughs> there we go, done. Close the books. 
So with that, uh, those were our biopic pitches. Uh, Oscar Isaac is playing <laughs> George Lucas, uh, coming to a film near you. Uh, but Moria, where can we where can we find ourselves? If I was looking for myself, if you're looking for us, and especially if we were looking for uh, ourselves, we are uh, Cinema Seven, the number seven E V E N. That's how we spell seven. There's no S. It's the number seven instead. You can look us up on Twitter at Cinema Seven, just the number seven underscore podcast on instagram where cinema seven that is the number seven e-v-e-n how we spell seven underscore podcast on facebook we're just cinema seven if you type in cinema and the number seven i'm pretty sure we're gonna come up so uh definitely look for us on social media you can find out how we post new episodes and all that jazz uh we post all kinds of news and links and all kinds of nerdy, geeky uh, things. And and definitely Redneck Anime. We post a bunch of stuff about that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up the chain Redneck Anime, Change My Mind meme. It's talking about WWE. But other than that, um, you know, definitely iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, subscribe, follow. Patreon, donate a dollar. Don't donate a dollar. Appreciate us. Don't appreciate us. Whatever you want to do. There's, there's some way to do it. Thank you, previous uh, patrons. Chris Hawk, Joey Hill, my mom. Thank you, mom. I'm I love you. I'm still a patron. Oh, you're still a patron. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I, got, I got the receipts in my email. Five okay. stars, iTunes. Slow it down, Chris Hawk. Let's, uh, we'll, plead, we'll plead out with that classic outro that only Chris Hawk can give. So as always, from us at Cinema 7, We want to thank you always for watching with us. We want to thank you always for listening with us. And we want to thank you always for exploring with us. End scene. Oscar Isaac as George. Yeah.